this, this morning is a very important time because we are about to enter a season and a time as a church that will be made clear to us and, clear, and made clear to you as the following weeks begin to unfold. And uh, you'll begin to see as I begin to start speaking on this, I think this is really going to shape how, what we become and who we become. And I've been speaking for some time now about polished arrows. Yes? And each polished arrow has to carry Christ. Hello? You have to carry Christ. Now, there's an anticipation in my spirit that's not in yours. That doesn't mean to say that you've not got anticipation. But if you knew what I knew, then you'd have the same sense of uh, anticipation. So what I want to try and do is communicate this over the next coming weeks. And hopefully, as I've been praying about this and keep on praying about it, the same anticipation will begin to loom large on everyone in here. Amen? Because it's really important where we're about to, where we're about to go. And I want to talk about rebuilding the walls, stick to the ancient path. Yes? Rebuild, rebuild the walls, or rebuilding the walls, sticking or following to the ancient path. I believe God has been speaking to me for some time. We as, a, as elders sat down the other week and we began to map, down, uh, map out our, our next seven months as a church. How, how, what will that look like in the next seven months? You think, what do you mean? Well, we can, keep, we can keep attending here on a Sunday, keep having service, da-da-da, da-da-da. That's one way of looking at it. Well, why will that change? We're talking about, when we're talking about change, we're talking about your life. What we expect, what we believe God is saying to us, because out of what God is saying to us comes expectations. Yes? So what we believe God is saying, he's already beginning to paint the landscape for us. And the landscape has expectations on it. And uh, we believe the next six months, your life is going to significantly change. Our lives are going to change together as a house. And we don't say that just to be flippant. We seriously, seriously mean that. Now, if I ask you the question, how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant? We all know the answer. Well, thank you for the overwhelming response. One bite at a time seems to be the obvious, non-overwhelming answer. But if I ask you the question, how do you rebuild a city? How do you build a church? How do you build a family? What would we say? Well, the answer is very similar in that you build a city, a family, a wall, one brick at a time. You get a family together, and I put a brick in their hand. Now, if every family's got a brick, we have a building site. We haven't only got a site, we've got a building site. So in the next six to seven months, God is going to give us the bricks to build. But every family, and when I say a family, if you're here on your own, you're a family. Because God's put you in a family. Every family must have a brick. And I'll, those reasons will become obvious as we start talking. And the, you know, the oldest institution in this world is the family. Goes right back to Adam and Eve. They were the first 
family that God gave to mankind. And then from there, everything has always been about families. Is it true? It's the one thing that you cannot argue. It's a fact. Family is the oldest institution, framework on planet Earth. Because let's just say... No, no, I'll ignore that because it might sound a bit crazy. Family is the oldest institution on planet Earth. But right now, family is the one thing that's been redefined in our nation. They're changing the shapes of the bricks. They're rounding them off when they shouldn't be round. They're changing the pattern, changing the design, therefore changing the nature of what the brick was supposed to do. Now in Birmingham, I was there last week in Birmingham, they have erected a statue in Birmingham of what the new family is. Do you know what it is? It's two women with a child. That is the new family that someone in Birmingham has put a statue up. Well, I say someone, it's the council. You can't just shove a statue up, can you? And that's depicting the new family is two women with a child. Our bricks are being redesigned, reshaped. They're being attacked. They're being stone blasted. In every way, shape or form, the family unit is under attack. It's changing even right now as we speak. So if it's changing, all the more emphasis should be put back on the family. To bring it back, it's focus. Sharpen up the focus. Emphasis on the family yet again. How many would agree with that? We have, in our society right now, we have psychologists, pathologists, any ologists you want, trying to tell you why family is breaking down. They all sit there in their various professions, as professional as they are, and a good as job as they do, because they do do a job, they do contribute to some degree, but it's easy to find the fault, but they don't have a strategy for rebuilding. Why? Because they can't move away from what's been redefined in our society. They have to move within the context of what society now has redefined as the family. You can't say certain things. You can't do certain things. You can't act in a certain way. Why? Because you're now caged in by bureaucracy, political correctness. So these professional people can only work within constraints. And yet some of those professional people are themselves part of that misshaped brick. So they will only then advocate their, their way. It, comes to stand, it stands to reason you will adopt your counsel according to your preference. Just like if you come to my door, I'm going to adopt, I'm going to alter my counsel according to my belief. Yeah, I will. So we know that the family has been besieged. Hello? The family has been besieged. It's under attack. It's been under attack for many, many years. And if it's not drugs or not drink, it's sexuality. If it's not sexuality, it's something else. The family is taking one heck of a beating in our nation. 
Would you all agree? Many of us have got sons and daughters who are recipients of what I've just described. Got one myself. Now, when we look at the family, we look at that other institution called marriage. You're going quiet now, aren't you? When we look at the family unit, we cannot ignore marriage. Because that's what that's how God started the family. I mean, poor Adam woke up, went to sleep, woke up married. Didn't get a stag night, didn't even get a drink, just woke up married. But you and I choose our partners, right? For better, for worse, sickness and health. Till death do us part. And yet the stats in our nation telling us that marriage is under attack. Marriage is unfashionable. Marriage now is being redefined. Now it used to, you know, silly old me. Maybe I'm just too old-fashioned. I don't know. But I thought it was between a man and a woman. But now it's been redesigned. It's crazy. Is they'll even marry animals. I don't mean humans. Well, even some humans will try and marry the dog. The thing is, is that we live in a crazy, perverse world. And we live in a crazy, perverse generation. And everything is up for grabs. Nothing's quite what it seems. Everything can shift. Everything can change. Everything can drift. Everything can be redefined if you allow it. Only if you allow it. You know, I don't care what the government say. Nothing's changing inside me in regards to those things. To me, I know what a family should be. I know that, and I will bat for that all day long. Why? Because I cannot be, if if I can shift, I'm no different. I'm not a voice. So we're finding in our nation, she's she's at a crossroads. Everything is being redefined because of preference. The ancient path has been lost. The ancient path that guided us and has guided us for centuries has been lost. Lost. The walls are down. The path has been lost. The family has been besieged. And because of that, the nation goes to rack and ruin. So we have to build, rebuild the nation one brick at a time, one family at a time. Would you agree? In, I've got some stats here. I know stats are boring. But this stat might help us. Stat said that in 1943, the national stat for people wanting to get married was at its all-time highest. Yes? But now in 2013, it was at its lowest point. That's when the census was done. So in 1943, it was at its highest. I wonder why, because we had an ancient path then. We still had an ancient path. It was clear to us. But by 2013, marriage has seriously declined for many, many different reasons. People prefer to cohabit rather than get married. And there's this stupid thinking. Last week, Carol and I were sat with two leaders and they were having problems with somebody. And they said, we cannot get this couple to get married. They just want to live together. And I said, well, the problem's easy. What's that? I said, he doesn't trust The reason why he won't marry us is because he doesn't trust. She went, wow. 
We've been thinking, we've been struggling with that for months and months and months. He says, you just come in and give us the answer. I said, it's not an answer. I said, I'm not being smart. It's called patterns. Yeah. I recognize the pattern. He won't trust her. He won't let anybody in. So therefore, he won't give his heart to her. Yeah. I said, talk about the trust issues, and I bet you find you'll expose something somewhere down the line. He's had a bad relationship, and that's what caused him to stop trusting. But he wants the benefits of the relationship, but he doesn't want the commitment. Yeah. Come on, if you're going to live with someone, marry him or think about it first. Yeah. You are no safer. You are no safer just by living with someone. At least with a covenant, you're protected. You've got rights. You've got godly rights, as well as physical rights. I know you have physical rights. The government give you certain rights if you've been living together so long. But it's not God's pattern. It's not the ancient path. And between 1983 and 1993, divorce was at its highest in the country. And then that start, starts, uh, that start goes up and then down as time goes by. But let me give you this stat. Interesting stat, this. don't know if you can see it from here. But when you look at the under-20s, now look at the under-20s, 20 to 24, 25 to 29, 30 to 34, 35 to 39... All the women are choosing divorce. That age group are the ones instigating divorce. But in 19, from the 40s to 44s, it was level. But then the older generation, from 45 to 49, 50 to 54, 55 to 59, 60 and over, it's all the male who then choose. So it seems like in the younger generation, the women have got power over the men. And as you get older, the men don't want the marriage. Something's gone wrong. Something's going wrong. And you see, the pendulum swings from generation to generation. We don't want stats like that. I, I don't want stats at all. I, don't, I mean, I'm not being unrealistic. I know divorce will happen for all kinds of reasons. But how do we build how do we rebuild our walls? How do we rebuild our families? How do we rebuild our environment? How do we? By a one brick at a time. We can repair families. We can rebuild families. We can rebuild marriages. Why? Because God's given us that grace and that technology. So therefore, the best way to build a nation is by starting with the church first. And then let the people see... The example, the evidence is all around us. Why? Because when people see you, they see the reflection of what God wants. Come on. So in, in Jeremiah chapter 6, chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, it said, this is what the Lord says. Who's speaking? Stand at the crossroads and look at the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. But you said, we ain't going to walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, I ain't going to listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, observe and witness what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I'm bringing disaster on, the pe on this people. The fruit of their schemes... 
because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. Very, very powerful scripture. God speaking to a nation about her behavior. You hear? God is speaking to a nation about its behavior. England, UK, Great Britain, listen to what the Lord is saying to you. He says, first of all, let's pick up some key words. I've highlighted some in blue there for us. Stand at the crossroads and look. In other words, what he's saying is, observe. Weigh up, gain perspective, and get an accurate analysis. Let me say that again. Observe, carefully weigh up, gain perspective, Gain accurate analysis. In other words, when you stand at that crossroads and God says, look, he's asking you to observe something. What do you see? And based on what you don't see, can either contain you and limit you. But based on what you do see, God's giving you an opportunity to change. Hello? If I say to God, look, look over there, look over there. What, what, where, where, where? And then I focus her in. I can then move her then from one place to another because now we're focused on something. Or I give her an opportunity to go and change something. Yes? So we need to carefully look. Over the last seven, seven months, we've been, we are carefully looking at our own house. We are carefully looking at what our, our region, our city needs. We've got a tree there ready to supply what our city needs. We better understand, carefully observe, and get some perspective as to what is needed in, in our locality, what's needed in this church, what's needed in every family, what's needed in society, we can be the answer. Some of you are not convinced, but we are the answer. So he says, stand at the crossroads and look. That's one comment. Then he said, ask for the ancient path where the good way is. Ask. So he's given us permission to discover, Lord, show us the ancient path, the one that brings wisdom, the one that brings blessing, the one that brings the church into fullness. Show us that path, oh God. Why? Because the nation has lost its way. I want to say the nation, I'm encompassing the church, I'm encompassing government, I'm encompassing everything. Society as a whole. The church is no better, no brighter than society in many aspects. So he says, ask where the good, what kind of way is it? I'm walking it and you'll find rest for your souls. But you said, we ain't going to walk in it. The path, the path what he's talking about here is the one of biblical values. And our biblical values create biblical traditions. Yes, that word is not a dirty word if it's used in the right context. Some, good, some traditions are good. Yes? So the good way is the path of biblical values and the tradition that families used to adhere to. I was raised with different values than kids are being raised today. Completely different values. I was, I was raised with, with honor, respect. Whether I knew the person or not, they didn't have to earn it, I just gave it them. Now you think now the attitude is you've got to earn your respect. No, shut up and learn something. Give it to them. 
Whether they deserve it or not, it'll still do you good. There's a good way. There's a God way. It's a way of truth and it's a way of righteousness. When righteousness exalts itself, then the nation turns. There is a path that once brought protection from the Almighty over our nation. When we were in the Second World War, God Almighty protected us. Why? Because we had a leader acknowledge God. Now, the Bible says this, God, I'm trying to think how he phrases it, he said, God corrects or steers the course of the just. God steers the way of the just. The just doesn't even have to be a believer. But if a believer, if a non-believer, a man who's got just, knows how to act justly, is a man who knows how to be civil to, to somebody else, how to treat his fellow human being with a sense of decency and honor and respect, God says, it. I'll even chart his course. That's why God uses non-Christians and can move people's hearts. Why? Because there is a sense of justness in them. They're not, they're not necessarily righteous because they've not been saved, but they're good people, but they're not saved people. They have a sense of conscience. And God uses people like that. And God says, I'll, I'll even steer their course. Now, Winston Churchill, whether he was a godly man, I'm not quite sure. But I know one thing. He had a sense of justice. He had a sense of morality in him and sense of decency. And God steered him. And by steering him, he steered us. He protected us. God's hand was on our nation. But if we ever went to a war again like that, I'm not quite sure God would step in. Why? Because the leaders don't acknowledge him. And he says this, if you ask for the good way, you will find rest for your souls. So God is given the ability for every family in the nation to have peace in its midst. And have rest in its midst. If it follows and acknowledges the ancient path. Come on. Friends, this is the path that we have abandoned as a nation. The ancient path. Why is it ancient? Because it's, been, it's old. Ancient doesn't mean it's obsolete. Ancient doesn't mean it has no more relevance. No, no, no. It's working. It still is working. Why? Because it was set up to work. And if you follow it, it brings certain kinds of results. And then he says, listen, I have appointed watchmen over you who have said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. What do we say? I ain't listening. We will not listen. So one, the nation won't walk. Second, the nation won't listen. What do you do with someone who won't walk and won't listen? You can't teach them anything. You can't tell them anything. They won't walk, they won't take correction, they won't take listen, uh, learning, they won't take understanding, they won't take wisdom. It's wasted. But when they see a life, when somebody sees your life in a position that their life's not, there's something that causes them to ask. But, you know, we can help people all day long, but if they won't walk and won't listen, I've appointed watchmen over you. The nation has lost its clear prophetic leaning and leading. There is no national prophetic voice over our nation. 
we've got governments speaking and scaremongering. The trumpet voice should guide, guard and govern every family and should guard the politics, it should guard the finance, it should guard (coughs) everything in our nation to make our nation prosperous. If we listen to what God's saying. We have said as a nation collectively and as individuals, we will not walk in it. So the Christian says, I'll walk in on a Sunday, but I won't walk in it Monday to Saturday. So now we've got compromise in the church. So what does that mean? Let's call compromise what it is. It's called ungodly. It's called ungodly. You're neither hot nor cold. I spew you out my mouth. You're no better because you come to church on a Sunday. Your life is no better. You still have abandoned the ancient path. But you want the blessings of the ancient path on a Sunday, but you don't want to walk and know the God of the ancient path. You know, because this, this ancient path, God's still putting bricks out in front of me. God's still brick, put lane, brick lane. He's still putting a path down for me. So even when, I stum- even when I'm going to stumble, there's a path there for me. Why? Because he leads the righteous. He's got paths that you don't know nothing about. <coughs> now you see, we've, recu- we've refused as a nation... We call ourselves Christian, we become stubborn, we become hard-hearted, we become proud people. Oh, there's no one proud like the Brits. And we always sing, we always get proud when we've had a beer, we've had a drink, and we always get proud when we've got a flag up and a football match and we're going to beat you, kick the seven sauce out of you. And these are the guys who've never been to war, singing songs against the Germans and the French that they've never even fought. We're proud. We're arrogant, but we're still lovable. We're still redeemable. We are redeemable, folks. No matter how dark it gets, we're still redeemable. God loves us. Now, you maybe have saw, like I saw, David Cameron giving his speech at Christmas and Easter, and it's wonderful, wonderful to see a prime minister come on and make his speech about Christianity and the nation, is it not? It's good to see that. I don't think I've seen one. I can't remember since Winston Churchill. There may have been one, but I can't remember. But I know Winston Churchill brought the nation to a day of prayer and fasting. He acknowledged it. Now, the thing is, it's one thing coming out and saying we are a Christian nation, but it's another thing then to then change to your policies to reflect that. I'll start, I'll thank God for the day of small things, I thank God that he stood up there and he had, he, had, he had the guts to say it and put some hope back into as a nation, as a, as a Christian nation. I don't know what that phrase means, Christian, because it can be so many things. Like the brick, it's been redefined. It's been redefined. So we don't know what it is. But I'm glad he said something rather than saying nothing. But the next part is we need to see policies reflect and back that up so we see the evidence all around as we heard in that song. And then he says, oh, witness that what will happen to them. Now, here's the issue. Observe, in verse 18, there, here, O nations, observe or witness what will happen to them. What will happen to the nations that do not walk, do not ask, do not listen, 
refuse to walk in the Asian path. Look at what's going to happen. He says, I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes. There will be consequences for the nation, for the people, for the society, the family who refuse to listen and walk. Bible's very, very clear. This is not Tony saying it. This is the Bible saying there is a repercussion, or so there are repercussions for those who refuse to listen and walk and ask. What did the Bible say? Ask. Ask. Jesus said, ask of me anything, and then, you know, as long as it's according to mine and my Father's will, ask me. And I'll give it to you. I'll show you. Why? Because anything that asks, and if you ask, to, to say, let me slow down a minute. If you ask according to anything that will rebuild justice, truth, and righteousness, Jesus can't help but giving it. Because that's the, that's the core foundation of his throne. I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words, and they have rejected my law. So there's a very clear outline here. What will happen to a nation if she abandons the Asian path? Now, God, in this scripture, has supplied, let's look at what he supplied for you and I. He supplied a crossroads. So you don't have to keep walking down a blind alley. He's brought, the goodness of God has brought you to a place where you can make another choice. That's a good thing. The mercy of God has brought us and he's bringing us as a house to a place where we can stand, look, observe, and analyze. Rather than the man who can't be taught anything, God just has to let him keep walking. But God is bringing us to a place where we can observe, take a fresh look. That should get a good amen right there. Thank you, Lord. You're bringing us to a crossroads. Not only has he supplied the crossroad, he's also supplied an ancient path. Because your crossroad is there, it's designed to show you whether you have abandoned the path or you're still on it. So he's, a, he's supplied a crossroad and he's supplied a path for your life. Then he's given you the opportunity to ask and then he's supplied a good way. It's a good way. So at the crossroad, you make a, you make a fresh choice. At the crossroad, you choose the path, the direction, the course that you need to take. At the crossroad and at the path, you ask, Lord, show me. God wants to lead us as a house. Okay? But we cannot, only God knows if your heart says, I'm not going to walk in it. And you say, well, Tony, how does this work? Well, it's very easy. Every time this word is being spoken, preached to you, you hear it, you walk out and you refuse. That's you at the crossroads. Every time, every Sunday, if you do nothing with it, many people take notes on a Sunday, and that's good. We've encouraged that. But if, you don't, if those notes don't become part of your life, and then you don't work on those notes and let those notes work on you, then guess what? All you become is a very efficient note taker. Yes? It's true. And then he says, I've appointed watchmen. Now, here's the prophetic element the church needs. You cannot rebuild a nation without a prophetic element. Hello? You cannot build a church without the prophetic. You can't. I cannot preach what I'm preaching without God showing me. 
God has to show me. I just don't open a Bible and just start thinking, oh, that's a good subject. I'll talk on that. No, I have to be led. Why? Because God is showing me things about our church. That's a good place to say amen. Thank God. He's showing us why. Because there's a group of people who still want to stick to the ancient path. There's still a bunch of us in here that are still asking God, show us the good way. We want to stay on the good way. We don't want to fold. We don't want last man out turn the lights off. We want to keep this thing strong. We're looking to advance, not to decrease. Lord, show us the good way. We're asking. And we, we want to find rest for our souls. Don't we? But God, so to do all that, God has to give a prophetic voice. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the, the issue. You can have a prophetic voice, but not have a prophetic people. That is a serious issue in today's church. You get a lot of prophetic ministries standing up, speaking, but the people are as dull and as hard as old rusty nails. They do not know how to interpret the word that comes to them. They do not know how to store up that word and then take it and let it overflow in their lives. They just think duty. I've got to come on a Sunday, which is a lie. I'll come. I'll just listen. I'll fall asleep. I'll pick a few words up here and there, and I'll look, and I'll go to the cafe, and I'll do the social thing afterwards, and it looks like I've had church. Shame on you. You're fooling no one, only yourself. And now you've been exposed, your cover's blown. We know who the sleepers are. Appoint watchmen over you. Write that down in your Bible. There are watchmen who have been pointed over you. God has given a leadership team who's prophetic. That doesn't mean to say you're not prophetic. But what he's done is give you a leadership team who are prophetic and he's given to watch over you. That should make you feel safe. That gives you protection. That gives you covering. Why? All you have to do is keep asking God and through the message that's coming out, God will give you your portion. This is how he leads his people. He's given you his pointed watchman. Listen to the sound of the trumpet. All, all we ever turn, keep turning around and saying to you is, can you adjust yourself to the frequency? Because the trumpet has a key set. It has a frequency. In every orchestra, everything's tuned to certain keys. And when that key of E opens up or the key of G, everything in the key of G opens up with it. All the doors open up. But here's the issue. They've said, we won't listen. So he says, okay, O nations, observe and witness what will happen to you. There will be trouble ahead. And this is the point of where we stand as a nation. There is a path, there's a crossroad, there's a watchman, there's a trumpet. There are people and there are, there are responses. Can you see this church? So, we go to the next scripture. Hebrews 11. Now, in the ancient path, when I, go, when I look back in, in my own family, and you look back in your family, you see the way your grandfather or your grandmother or your great-grand or your great-granddad, you saw the way they acted, didn't you? And you saw the value system they had. And you saw their, their way of running the household was different 
to maybe what you see today. And you thought they were tight. You thought they were harsh. You thought they were cruel. True? But they held it all together. They held it together. There was less street violence. There was less violence in society. Well, wasn't there? People respected the police. People respected law and order. There's always those who didn't, but I'm talking about the majority of the nation. Crime was, was, was not the same as it is today. You could leave your front door open. Yes, can you imagine that today, leaving your front door open? They'll, they will remove your furniture if you leave your door open. But we could leave our door open. Neighbours could go and say, have you got a bowl of sugar? Have you got some butter? Have you got some milk? And every, there was a community, a collaborative community going on. People understood needs. People understood people didn't have. We all had the same. Nobody was trying. Nobody had anything anybody else didn't have. So what they had, they were willing to share and, and, and distribute it. This was something that our society, sadly, society's not got. So now we, we have this thought in society, if I don't have it, I'll go and nick it. And when I nick it, I feel entitled to it because I didn't have it. I mean, what kind of warped thinking is that? But here's the issue. When I look back now at my gran and granddad, I commend them. I commend them for their patterns. I commend them because I saw them, the morality. They had a conscience. They taught us things that the modern day parent will not teach. Hasn't, hasn't probably even been modeled to some degree. So I, there is a generation that needs to be commended. True? Come on, understand this. There's a generation, we all got here somehow, we've all been shaped by people. I like to think I didn't turn out too bad, albeit there was times when my mother didn't encourage me in that that long. She thought, Tony, you'll turn out to be a bad one. You are a bad one. And there were times when I was a bad one. But by God's grace, I am making it. There was an ancient path. There still is an ancient path. And you have to look backwards to see those people God put on that path. And those people should be commended. Because they become the role models. This generation doesn't have what we had. Come on, think about it. They don't. So there's a group of people here who were commended. Now, Hebrews. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that it, what was seen was not made of, but what, made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. And he goes on and on. And this is... By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. And then we shoot right down. We see he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Thank God, God's put people in our lives. God put people in our lives and he's still putting people in our lives who later on in life, we can look back and say, I commend that person for what they did. Yeah. Now, right now, right now, that generation in that room and that generation in that room and that generation upstairs do not understand what or why we do what we do at this point in their life. Well, them, they do next door, in all fairness. They're old enough to understand. But hopefully one day, there's going to come a day where they look back and they're going to say, my mother taught me certain things. Thank God for my mother. 
Thank God for my father. Thank God for my aunties and my uncles. Thank God for my, for my great granddad. Thank God that I got here. And it's only as they look back, they will begin to see that the God put ancients in their family that they can commend. We never see them. The smart person, the real smart person, sees it when they're right there. But very few of us see that. As soon as we look back, we see, ah, you know what? I'd have never made it if Colin Carson hadn't been put in my life. Colin blazed the trail. He showed me the ancient path. That's my pastor. And he showed me that, that, that if without that pastor in my life and David Morse, they were the guys who influenced me at that time. If those people hadn't been in my life, I could not have followed that ancient path. But there was a question inside me that wanted to know, and God knew that question and supplied them on my path. And then there came a time when God says, I'm now going to split the path. We're now at a crossroads. And I had to observe the ancient path, and I had to observe which way now I should take. And God was saying, now, Tony, now's the journey for you to go into the apostolic. So what did God do? He supplied a father for me on that path. I told you God's been laying bricks. He's like that. He's throwing them down. Why? Because now, as I look back, I can see, I can thank God, and I have thanked God, and I have written letters, and I've told Colin, I thank you and honor you for what you did. I have commended the Asian on my path. And I suggest we all do the same. And I've commended my father now, my spiritual dad, who's on my path now. I've let him know how I feel. I am a grateful man. But I would love for my son and his generation and the young people next door, I'd love them to turn around and say, we're standing on a sure foundation. Why? Because of what our uh, forefathers built. And hopefully when they say the forefathers, they're referring to me, and then they'll be the ones as you go through our uh, lineage as a church. Yeah? Right from day one, right up to this day. It's an incredible journey, folks, when you, when you can commend people on your path. It's a beautiful thing to do. I encourage you to go back and analyze who are the people that's been, God has put on your path, go and commend them. Say, thank you for being strong. Thank you for being consistent. And even if they're not alive, obviously you can't write a letter to a dead man. But you can write a letter to a live one. You can go and tell them, say, thank you. Just want to let you know that you've been on my path. And I just thank God that he's put some wisdom in you to guide me. Commend them. Now, what did they have? They were commended, but what were they commended for? Let's not just go and blow smoke. Let's tell them why we're commending them. Well, they were commended for their faith. There was faith. Without God, it's impossible to please God. So, the kind of... The, the kind of Ancients uh, that this house needs, every family needs, is ones with faith. Yes? The second thing, he was commended as a righteous man. We need righteous people on our path. We need to commend righteous people, not people we had a good night out with. Yeah? People of faith, people who was a righteous man, and people who please God. A righteous man, people of faith, righteous men, women, people who please God. 
Because it's the people who please God that show me you're the path. You're the path. So, let's wind back a minute. Let me pull, let's pull our heads in a minute. We're talking about the nation stands at a crossroads. The church stands at a crossroads. You stand at a crossroad. We are making a choice over the next seven months to follow the ancient path. And where this ancient path will lead us, I'll tell you. I know where it will lead us. I know what we've been instructed to do. But I can't tell you all in one day. And out of this, there is... God has given us an opportunity to ask afresh at the crossroads so that we can observe, analyze, correctly understand. True? So in the Old Testament, there was warriors, prophets, and priests who were the ancients. Yeah? Warriors. David was a warrior. Yeah? Prophets and priests. Warriors like Joshua, David, Gideon. Yeah, even Gideon didn't think he was a warrior, but God called him a mighty warrior. Yeah? Where in the New Testament, here's the issue. The people who we are now looking to were the apostles and the prophets. They laid the foundation for us. They laid the path. We're now, well, Christ laid it. They, they, they teach it to us so we can now walk on it. They're not the foundation. They laid the foundation. Okay? The apostles are not the foundation. They laid the foundation. God gave them the bricks to lay down so that we can now, the church can be built on it. But God supplied the bricks. Yes? So we see that there's warriors, we see there's prophets, we see there's priests. But in the New Testament, we see there's apostles and we see there's prophets. If we want to follow the ancient path, and God has, we've already said, let's go back to that scripture, God has given us appointed watchmen. Yes? If we're going to listen to the trumpet, we need to hear the trumpet through the voice of the apostles and prophets. It's very clear. So God has given the church watchmen so that the church can stay on the path. Yes? So then we begin to pray and push in and seek God for what the watchmen are revealing to us. If the watchmen go to sleep, the nation has no one to direct them. This is critical. This is critical. There must be a prophetic voice. So let's ask the question, where are God's mighty men? Where are God's mighty women? Well, the answer is, hopefully they're sat in front of me. Can't look no further. So, if we look at the watchman, let's go back a minute. Right now, on June the 23rd, our nation stands at the crossroads. Have you, do you understand what, does everybody know what the June the 23rd is? It's the day we go to the, the polls to vote whether we remain in the EU or we come out of it. Right? I feel quite strongly about this. And I know some of you do. Me and Andy's been dialoguing about this. Andy sent me a very useful document. And it's given the foundation for some understanding and that was its nature. And uh, I'm going to send it you as a document. But I'm also going to give you the prophetic insight, which must go alongside it, because the church, the nation, the city needs a watchman. Yeah. 
We don't just want information. We need a watchman. We need someone to guide us which is the path we should vote in. Now, I'm not saying my vote, it's my vote, but it's my responsibility to let you know what my conviction is because I'm a watchman. But I can't say to you, everybody, put your, number, put your money on number red, or red, red number 32, right? No, I'm telling you what I think, what I feel. It's up to you how you use it, okay? So I'm not telling you you should vote. I'm just guiding you in what I sense God is saying to us, which will then help you pray and ask God and then give you a sense of clarity for yourself, okay? Because I'm certainly not here taking the job of a politician. But at the same time, a governmental house must take the affairs of the nation at heart. We're not so caught up in church, we forget about our nation. Yes? So we see that this is a very defining moment. What? So let me ask you a question. Would you not think at this defining moment, the nation needs a clear prophetic voice? Would you, not dis- would you not determine or not think at this moment in time that there should be a, cloud, should be a loud trumpet call guiding the people, the church, this is the way, follow it? You would think, wouldn't you? But there's a different sound coming out of Parliament. There's a different frequency coming out of Why? Because it's confused and blocked the airways. Why? Because spiritual powers are working in the background to keep the destiny of the nation on track. Think about this. Demonic spirits influencing any nation, any time, any region, are looking to keep the purpose of destruction, that nation, very on track. But it's the prophetic voice spoken to us that dislodges. And lifts the cloud that will then influence a group of people. So the intercessors should be going crazy at this point in time. They should be praying, but they themselves need clarity. They need the prophetic voice so they can take that into the spirit and intercede with it. The intercessors are not the prophet, not the prophet. They will be prophetic people, but they're not the prophet. Unless you get a prophet who is an intercessor. But what we've got in the church and the confusion we've got in the church, we've got prophetic people, not prophets. That's just gone. I'm going to explain to you what I mean. It was God in Ephesians 4, verse 11, and in 1 Corinthians, what verse is it? 1 Corinthians 12, 28. It was God who gave first apostles and prophets. Right. That is called an office. So let me use this illustration. It's coming to my mind now. This was, uh, this, sorry, Chris was a police officer. Licensed to enforce the law. True? So he's, let's use this in this one, the P for policeman. He's now a prophetic, uh, sorry, a prophet policeman. But then Phil is one of these, what do they call him on, on the streets now? These, these extra community, community officer. officer. He's a community, community officer. He walks around with some of the uniform, but it doesn't have the same laws, sorry, same, same power, sorry, to enforce the laws. True? So he's doing, he's assisting them, but he's not a police officer. Get that? Right. The prophetic gift in the church is given to the church for, to speak for one another, to encourage the body. Right? So it's this way. 
But the prophet who's an office, he doesn't even have to be a gift in this church. He can speak to nations. He can speak to regions. He can speak to uh, governments. He's an office. An office carries power, authority. So what we need is the office of the prophet to stand up and say, Hear ye, hear ye, O England. Thus saith the Lord. So his voice goes beyond the wall into the airways, penetrates the airways. The intercessors, the church, pick up the prophet's voice. They all come like archers and begin to get behind the, the, the prophet's word over the nation. But, you know, I just feel Jesus says he loves you. We can't change the world with that. That changes you. That blesses you and encourages you. But that does not change the environment. Why? It's a different gift. It's for a different reason. Yes? It's a different reason. Both are absolutely needed or they wouldn't be given. But what we need at this time is not shooky, shooky, I just feel the Lord would say, because that's not going to change the nation. We need, hear ye, nation. England, I call you from the four corners of the world. I summon you from heaven itself. Hear the word of the Lord and begin to declare and decree what, what is our destiny. Are we meant to be part of ten confederate nations? Or are we meant to cut away? We need to know what our destiny is. We can't just leave it to the politicians. Because the politicians have their agenda. And all they're doing is scaremongering us what might happen. Might is not an issue. There is no proof. So what I think they're doing is they're sending you and me to the polls with fear. We'll lose our jobs. The economy will go down the pan. What about my mortgage? What about this? What about that? And all of a sudden, what you end up doing then is falling into the trap. When I say you, I mean we. It'll affect me, so I'll make a vote now based on how it affects me. Listen, America's been doing that for years. That's why she's in the mess. You've got one half of the church saying this, one half of the church saying over that. Is it any wonder why, why America's in a mess? Because there's no clear prophetic voice over the nation. So you might say, well, are you saying you're a prophet to the nation? I'm saying I've got something from God. You call it what you want. What concerns me right now in rebuilding our nation I'm expecting and looking for the prophets. And I'm not seeing them. And that makes me nervous. Because our nation must have them. Now I can only start with the denominations that I know. And I look at the AOG and I look at the Elam. And they are the two largest Pentecostal denominations in England. Right? And right now I'm hearing zilch. Now to me, my friends, that's very dangerous. You, you know... We all drive cars. We all take out an insurance policy. They tell us we're covered for this, 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 this. And after a while, we just think, just give me the insurance. Right? We get brassed off with all the small detail. But you only know, and they tell you, oh, you've got the, you've got, you're covered for everything. Barring athlete's foot. Right? You're covered for everything. And then you have an accident. And then you see how good the policy really is or the policy really isn't. Right? That's denominationalism. They tell you, you're covered. They offer you covering. You're covered. Me as an AOG minister, you are covered. Doesn't matter. The Dream Center's covered. Covered by what does that mean? Covered in traditionalism. 
Right now, I'm expecting that denomination to speak. Give us a sense of clarity. Be a voice in the wilderness. And at your finest moment, if you didn't speak, shame on you. Shame on you. Because it was your moment to act. It was your moment to influence how many churches we've got. This is, a, this is a pivotal moment for these denominations. Now, I know they're not saying it. Why? Because I get all the emails. And all the emails I ever get is on finance. Never on spiritual direction. So I'm thinking, God, why isn't anybody speaking? I'm so eager to wait for Jonathan David to speak this year. Why? Because there's a prophet. And I'm waiting to see what he's going to say. And I'm going to think, I'll see if what I said is anything what he's saying. And I'll see, it'll help me tune whether I'm moving in the prophetic or I'm just an idiot eating too much cheese at night. God has needs, we need over this church, over this region, over our nation, we need a watchman. Samuel, when Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and he named it Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has helped us, why did he say that? Because the Lord had provided a prophetic voice for the nation of Israel and he had led Israel thus far. But here's the rest of the journey. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel, Israel's territory again. Why? Because the prophetic watchman guided and guarded and governed the nation. It was the prophetic voice over the nation that kept, uh, prevented the Philistines from subduing them. Hello? The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel was restored to her and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the power. Now the nation's starting to be rebuilt. The prophetic voice now is beginning to rebuild the nation. Why? Families are getting stronger. The nation's getting stronger. The priests are doing what God's told them. The rulers are doing what God's telling them. All because Samuel, who was a governing prophet, was able to bring dominion back onto the ground. Yes, this is what our nation needs, a leader who can bring God on the scene. What this church needs is a leader that can bring God on the scene. What this church needs is leaders who can bring God on the scene and people who can release him onto the scene. That's what makes us a governing people. So right now you see the nation was beginning to restore Israel's delivered the neighboring territory from the power of the Philistines. This is what the church needs to do to our nation. She needs to recover the nation that's in the grips of the enemy. The nation needs to do that. We need to. That's the church. That's our job. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites, a main enemy. Samuel continued as a judge over Israel all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there, he also judged Israel. And he built an altar there to the Lord. My friends, God has given us an element of governing grace. I believe in over these next six months, seven months, God, through the word that he's given us, has got to rebuild the families in this house. Your children, your families, are not going to look as fragmented and dysfunctional as some of them may appear today. If you listen to what God is saying and walk on the ancient path and listen, tune your ear to the prophetic trumpet, I guarantee God will start doing miracles in your family. Because God has instructed me to put a brick into everyone's hand. You, you blow the trumpet, Tony. 
tune the people to the frequency, and as they come, give them a brick. Give them a brick. Show them how to build the family. Show them how to fight for the lost one, a, you know, a loved one who's not saved. Show how to restore the family. Show how to restore the finance. Show how to win back the lost. This is our opportunity over the next seven months to do something significant. We can rebuild this part of the wall. We can. Now, this message will be on, on podcast. Now, I would encourage everyone to listen to this message again and say, Lord, I'm ready. Where, where, show me again, oh God, what I need to do. Get me ready, oh God, for this journey. Please listen to this on the podcast. This is God's word to us as a house. Let's not be idle at the moment. So the prophet, Hosea 9.8, the prophet along, along with my God is the watchman over Ephraim, the prophet and his God. See that, folks? The prophet and his God is the watchman over Ephraim. Put, put your family in there. Put our city in there. Put our nation in there. The prophet, along with my God, is the watchman over that. Yet snares await him on his paths and hostility in the house of God. Is that not a true reflection? What have they done? What has the nation done with the prophet's word? He's crowded him out. He's shut him down. He's excluded him. There were snares all along his paths. Now there's hostility towards our word. Hello? Do you know there's even hostility in this house to this word? Because the word can't enter. It can go around our ears, but it can't enter in. That's hostility. And then he says, Song of Solomon, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom. This is why we need walls. Now, what am I saying there? The prophet, the nation needs a prophetic voice. The church needs a prophetic voice. Your family needs a prophetic voice. Every family must have its own prophetic voice. You must be able to govern your children. You must be able to govern your wife with the word. Phil said it this morning. I think it was Phil who said it. Washing our wife with the word. We need men who can take the word and apply it in their own family. This is how you rebuild your family. With the word. If we haven't got the material in the house, there's nothing to be rebuilt. You know, last night I was watching on uh, TV and they call them mud biscuits in Africa. Mud biscuits. It's in Haiti. And they make these mud biscuits and they give them to they feed the nation. Starvation is so severe in Haiti after the earthquakes and things like that. They give these biscuits and all they are is mud. And they make thousands of them and thousands of them and thousands of them. And they give them to people and to the kids. And there is absolutely no nutritional value in them whatsoever. Right? And you can't flush it out the system. So what you've got inside the kid's stomach is chalk. And they would rather eat the biscuits than have nothing to quench the, the, the pains of hunger. They give them these mud biscuits. Last night I watched it and I'm thinking, I'm sat on a settee with a bag of crisp. Guess where the crisp went? It was bad. I think we should do something about that. When I'm seeing something like that, I'm thinking, that's just, that's terrible. I think we can do something about that. As a church, I, I think we can, we can buy a thousand meals. We can do something about that. God's, God was arresting me, sat on the settee. 
You can do something about it, Tony. You can actually help this, this situation. Right? Why? Because I've given you ears to hear the, tune, the, the sound of my voice when it speaks. I've given you those ears, Tony, to hear that. You watch this thing time and time again, but you don't listen. Why? Because I'm not touching your heart. But last night, God touched my heart. And I think we can put, we can put a thousand meals into that part of Haiti. It's not a lot of meals, but it's something. Can't let these kids eat, or not just kids, people eat mud biscuits. Dear me. Anyway, what was my point? I forgot now. I got so attracted about seeing that thing came back to my mind. As I was speaking, without a prophet in the nation, without, there is no one to rebuild the family. That's it, putting bricks back into the hands of the family. That's what I want to say. We must put the bricks back into the hands of the family because your wall is besieged. Parts of your wall, look at this wall here. Look at this wall, classic example, subsidence, right? Classic, there's a gap in a wall there. Things have to be done. Things will be done. Right? But right now, it's just giving you, letting you know you need some faith to sit in here in case the building falls down. No, it won't. Because <laughs> we'll just do that. <laughs> do a Samson. The point is, is there's a point in case. There's gaps in the wall. Now, catching me the little foxes. The foxes that spoil the vine. Foxes can get anywhere. Saturday night, Friday night, Carol and I coming back from a restaurant. We see a fox running across the road with, its, with a prey in its mouth, taking back its prey back to its lair to have its takeaway, Friday night takeaway. Right? That fox can get through anything. Fox will get through that. Don't know how, but it get through it. A mouse could, a rat could, whatever you do. The point is this. Things are getting through into your family. By putting the brick back into your hand, we can cover the gaps up and stop the fox that ruins the vine. That is the issue here, the point I'm making. Right now, the fox doesn't need a big gap to get in, but he's already in. There's evidence he's ravaged parts of your family. It might be your, it might be your finance, it might be your health, it might be your kids, it might be your husband, your marriage, whatever it is. There are, there's clear evidence, in, in probably as we analyze in all our family, there is evidence where there's cracks in our wall. Now, Crack doesn't mean to say, if you look at that crack, and from that crack, there's a big difference. Yes? Fox can't get through that one, but he can get through that one. So you've got to supply the illustration for us this morning. But the issue is this. We must put every family to the wall to show you how to rebuild, to show you how to put the brick back into your own family so that you can stop the fox getting in. That's the crossroads we stand as a church. Let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. The prophet, along with my God, is the watchman over the dream center. He's the watchman over every family in the dream center. Yet snares await him on all his paths. There's always resistance to doing God's work. And hostility in the house of his God. Let there be no hostility in the house of this God. Amen? Amen? So church, we stand at a crossroads. I want you to see the brevity of what God is saying to us this morning. I think I've, I've, I've communicated what was in my heart. And there's a lot more I want to, to say and will say and need to say. Because I'm convinced that our nation, we build our nation from the church outwards. Let me say that again. 
We build the nation and the city from the church outwards. Every life here must be a reflection of God. And every house must be well ordered. Every house must be well ordered. So when, we see, when the people of our community see well ordered houses, then that's the first part of the wall they see. That's how you start rebuilding a nation. If every church did this, if every church over the next seven months it would adopt what I'm proposing to us, I tell you, I think we could see a good level of territory taken back in our nation. I'm not saying it will bring revival. I'm not saying it will bring reformation. I'm not saying it will bring a great awakening. What I am saying, I think we could take a lot of territory back. Amen? So, Father, right now, like I say, this message will be on podcast. Please think about it. Go and listen to it. Again, I say, Lord, you're giving me a crossroads right now. You're giving me a watchman. You're giving me a path. You're giving me an opportunity. You're giving me a watchman. You're giving me a crossroads. You're giving me a path. You're giving me an opportunity. You're giving me a watchman. You're giving me a crossroads. You're giving me a path. You're giving me an opportunity. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm going to take this word and I'm going to sow this word deep into my spirit. I'm going to get ready for this journey I'm on. This seven month journey that you're on. You're going on. We're going on. It will demand focus, effort, attention be given to it. Today is just the first part of the message I'm putting down. So, Father, right now we thank you for the prophetic word over this house to your people. Lord, these are your people. They're not my people, oh God. They're, they're yours. Lord, I do. do love them. And I want the opportunity to rebuild them. I want the opportunity, oh God, to labor with you and partner with you to find the best ways to put these bricks. Lord, these are living stones being fitted, fitted into the house of God. Lord, we will not allow society to redefine the shape of these stones. These are living stones, oh God. Lord, you know, you're the master, the master craftsman, the stonemason. You've cut every stone to fit its size. Every, that's why the whole building is joined together, supporting itself, doing the part it needs to do. Father, I thank you, O oh God, that you have given us laborers in this house. You've given us stonemasons. You've given us craftsmen. Father, you've given us prophetic intercessors. You've given us government, Lord, in this house. Father, I believe, crazy or not, Lord, that we can make a significant impact on our nation's vote. I believe it, O oh God. Lord, we want the destiny of Great Britain to be great. Lord, we don't want to be taken down a path that's going to hold us <coughs> captive. <coughs> Lord, we don't want to be taken captive. We want to be free, oh God, to pursue the destiny for the nation. Father, hold us back. Show us how to put the handbrake on the enemy. Show us, oh God, how to excel, to, to, to burst through, oh God, in righteousness. Oh, Father. Oh, my God. Oh, Rosibabarianda. Come on, church, the same glory that was with us in the, in the worship is still with us now.
Cry out for the ancient path. This week, I want you to really pray, church, that you would, that you would pray for us as a leadership, for God to reveal the ancient path to us so we can reveal it to you. <clears throat> so the prophetic voice over your life and in your life and to your life can guide and guard your life and bring you through to that place of safety. Because the prophet and his God must walk together. I said the prophet and his God must work together. They must walk together. They must work together. Show us how to catch the foxes, oh God. Show us how to catch those foxes that ruin the vine. The foxes that spoil the family, oh God. That ruin it, oh God, at its core. Show us, oh God. Give us patterns, oh God. Help us rebuild the family. Marriages are not going to be part, in this dream said, they're not going to be part of that stat we've shown you before. We're going to have a different stat. We're going to have a different stat. We're going to have 20s to 24s, 25 to 20, 28, 30 and on onwards. We're going to have stable marriages. Why? Because we're going to show you how to put the brick back into that marriage. We declared at the beginning of this year how God would begin to give the singles a word. God gave us a word this, this year for the singles. God spoke to me again about this. And part of this next six to seven months, what God's saying to us is that he'll establish the singles. His word is not, he's not forgot. And you must not forget because that word was for you. Hold on to the prophetic word. There are certain bricks that need to be put in that wall to stop you going down the wrong path. Stand at the crossroads and ask, Lord, how can I get this partner on this path? And God will show you. Because the world would have you go down different paths. And you end up compromising your faith, compromising your holiness. Oh, weren't there two things the Asians were commended for? Yes. Why? Because they showed how to keep on that path. And that is a key word for us. Stay on the path. Thank God for the, for the Asians. Come on, just begin to thank God for the players in your life. The people who have shown you how to live, how to walk. Thank God for wisdom. Thank God for older people.